Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Beerman. Welcome to the very first episode of the Best Hang Podcast. I'm Mike. We have Max. We have Shane. We're happy to have you listening as we start our journey on the Best Hang. We, of course, are starting with a bang as this episode features NBA champ, NBA Coach of the Year award winner, and head coach of our beloved Toronto Raptors, Nick Nurse. So uh, for anyone that might be new to this podcast, it is the same for Shane and myself and for Max. Uh, But for a lot of you, maybe this is brand new. Maybe you're here for Nick Nurse. And the cool thing about our podcast as we switch over, we have a new name, The Best Hang. Obviously, you heard this off the top. We have a brand new song by Max Kerman, plays the band Arkells. Amazing work. (laughs) Such good work. And uh, Nick Nurse is the guest, like we said, but we don't always have a guest. Uh, We've had 300 episodes in the past with guests, without guests, but sort of the heart of our show is this chemistry is uh, the best hang, uh, as it were. So that's what the show is going to be. Like I said, if you've been along for the ride, thanks for coming with us and welcome to the best hang. If you're brand new, all are welcome and we're so happy to have you uh, because like I said, this is is our, our very first episode. This is very exciting, guys. Max, Shane, how are we feeling about the launch of the best hang so far? Same old, same same thing as always. It's just a new name, but I'm excited. I'll say I'm excited. Maxie, how are you feeling about stuff? Ooh, it feels like the first day of school. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I got my new outfit on. I'm feeling really good about it. I mean, the feedback's been awesome. I do want to address one thing off the top, um, which I didn't quite fully realize, but I think a lot of folks think that I belittle Shane. And now that we, we're starting in this new chapter of the pod. Let's clear the air. Yeah, I want to clear the air for a second. I only have the utmost respect for Shane. And I think Shane is one of the smartest, most brilliant 
people that I know, period. And I really value the time we get to spend. I'm not just saying this. I really, truly do. But Good for the PR. sake of the, the comedy, <laughs> the, for the sake of the entertainment, I, you know, we have this persona where, or you have this persona where you're this sort of like wild man who can't be tamed and who I have to sort of, you know, shake my finger at. And I, I belittle you a little bit, but I don't mean it, obviously. But you also, Shane, lean into it. You're like, oh, you're just picking on old Shaney boy again. But that's not actually true. I've never said you're picking on old Shaney boy again. I don't play the Gil character from <laughs> Simpsons. No, I don't. I pick on you just as much. But there's a power structure here, Max. And you have to realize the power that you yield. And when you belittle me in any way, people don't like it. Okay. But when I make fun of you a little bit or give you a shot... People really like that because I'm sticking it to the man. <laughs> I'm the man. You're the man. I'm the people's champ. I'm not. The <laughs> I'm I think I'm the people's champ on the podcast. I think in real life, you're the people's champ. Yeah. But on the pod. Yes. Because <laughs> we the reason the impetus for this being brought up is because we were getting a few messages of people kind of when Mike on Much ended, they wanted to say things that they always wanted to say which was that Max is a little rude to Shane on the pod. <laughs> well, speaking of those messages, uh, you know, we announced the name change uh, on Insta and Twitter. And honestly, like our inbox and comments were like flooded, 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 flooded with people saying the nicest stuff as well as the stuff about Max picking on Shane. I thought that was nice. <laughs> yeah, it was nice for you. Uh, you know, uh, about sort of the run of the show and just sort of how people connect with the show. And uh, yeah, I, I was reading all of them. I want to respond to a bunch too, but it's just, it all came in at such a crazy volume that it was just, I'm sure you guys are reading them too because obviously we all have access to the to the messages and you can, like you get in and you see if one of you guys have already read so I can see if stuff's been read. So I know we're all sort of consuming it and we, the three of us haven't really talked about it since like we announced and everybody sort of... Um, flooded the inbox and also commented uh, on on um, our post but yeah man thank you thank you everybody for listening and sort of being so passionate about the show i know we've said this over the years but like sometimes it feels like the three of us are just talking to each other and then you sort of have people sort of say really kind things You're like oh shit people are listening to this thing and, and it matters and it's a part of their day it's awesome yeah. it's so tough when you get a five paragraph message because you want to spend the time and respond to it properly but you end up just double hearting it or double tapping it to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's yeah, yeah. nothing more deflating probably than receiving one of those hearts after you poured <laughs> your heart out yeah it's tough it's almost better to not say anything than it is to put that heart on a message oh really as a response yeah have you ever gotten the heart and felt just terrible about it like you've, <laughs> you've dm someone and they heart you they just double tap it even yeah. if they have some mild interaction with you the heart is always such a nail in the coffin i find <laughs> the heart is the nail in the coffin it is that's funny you don't find that <laughs> if there's a long exchange like say you're having a conversation in the dms the heart is how you know the conversation's over i will say that you know what i'm saying mm. like so say you're kind of blah 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 blah, and then you write your last sort of message and then it gets the double tap <laughs> and just has a little heart on it you're like okay that's that's that there's nothing more to say here but it's never not hurtful it's hurtful to give <laughs> and it's hurtful to receive <laughs> I do, yeah. uh, I do love getting, uh, looking in the inbox and seeing when Shane responds to people, and just to see his interactions. It's kind of like you know peering into somebody else's text messages or something. I, I, <laughs> you, you do like interacting with the people, though. I will say that. Shane. I just pretend I'm you. <laughs> I try to pretend I'm you. I throw three ha-has like in there, which is what you would do, and I try to be nicer than usual. And what I find you do, Max, is the opposite. Mm. You will try to get in there 
and it seems like it's me almost when you respond. Oh. And I've had to I've had to unsend a few that you've sent because I'm like people are gonna think that's me <laughs> what are you talking about. But this is actually maybe a liberating thing about the podcast is that we don't necessarily have to be ourselves. You know, so much of my mm-hmm. life I'm, I have to be the guy from the Arkells and I'm a diplomat for the Arkells. But maybe with the pod in the inbox, I can pretend to be the wild man Shane Cunningham, and yeah. you Shane can pretend to be. You know, this uh, national leader, Max Kerman from our <laughs> Well, can we put national leader in your bio, actually, just yeah. under your name for this podcast? If you are getting a response from us, like on Instagram in a DM or something, you'll know it's from me because I always put my initials just to make mm. it very clear. I don't want to get caught up in the Shane Max deception. So it will be it'll be MV after anything I personally respond to. And okay. if you get anything that starts with three has, it's always me. <laughs> do I do too many ha ha ha's in group chats and stuff? Is that annoying? I think it's a good feeling. It's you've it's gotten to the point where it's weird if you don't. So you've committed so hard to the ha ha ha. You have to, even if it's not funny, you have to just be like, ha, ha, ha. So if I don't, people think I'm really pissed off or I'm like being stern with something. Like, oh, Max is kind of serious right now. Yes. Because he didn't say ha, ha. Like, I'm in trouble like right now, right? Yeah, you do it. It's so reactive for you to do it. It's like a how are you? Hey, Mm. Max, what's up? You'll be like, ha, 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 nothing much. How are you, Shane? (laughs) Speaking of putting my foot down, though. Mm. Were we speaking of that? (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. No, no, that was a good segue because uh, I just said I'm putting my foot down if I don't say ha, ha, ha. Oh, yes. That's Mm. me putting my foot down. Mm. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) The best hang podcast where we explain our segues. (laughs) (laughs) I went to the movies last night. Oh, Uh, go on. And I was just been dying to go to the movies. I went with Book Club Maddie and and Manager Ash. And we went to the late shows like um, 945, which is kind of late for a Monday night. And when when we agreed on the time, in the time of agreeing to the movie time and then uh, going to the movie, I had to wake up for like a 8 a.m. appointment. So I was like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to get home till 1230 and the one <laughs> I have to wake up. at six. You know, you start doing the math. I'm like, wow, this is a good idea. Anyway, I walked out of the movie and I want to know what movie you think I walked out of and when the last time you walked out of a movie. OK, you got to give me some options. Let's see what's out. Yeah, right well, now. I don't even know what's out. I'm going to give you three options. Scream. OK. Spider-Man. Mm. The Matrix or The Tragedy of Macbeth. You walked out of Macbeth. No, Max isn't going to see Macbeth. Okay. <laughs> that ends before it begins, if that's suggested with Max. Okay. And I have seen that movie, by the way. I want to see that movie. Denzel's in it. I'd, I'd see that. Oh, gives me the answer. Okay. Um, the other two. Okay, Matrix. Would Max even consider The Matrix? I feel like you might think that's some nerd shit. Scream, Matrix, or uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, or what was the other one? Yeah, or Spider-Man, sorry. I feel like Ash ain't going to that. Okay, it's Spider-Man for sure. Wrong. What? Matrix. Matrix! Honestly, that movie, I had no idea what was happening from the first minute of the movie. It, it was so confusing. They were like speaking a different language. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Nothing makes sense. It's like talking to somebody and then they turn into an agent with the weird sunglasses and he's having a conversation with another person. Oh, now we're in Japan. Like, there's no fucking rules to this They're movie. They're in the whatsoever. Matrix, man. Yeah. What the fuck does that even mean? Red pill, blue pill? They just start getting... <laughs> and then, and um, um, then I started thinking to myself, like, you know what? Honestly, I might need to get some sleep in now because I'm worried about the amount of sleep I'm getting. So I kind of closed my eyes. But we were in the big IMAX movie theater and it was like super loud. So that didn't really work. And then I and then I went to the bathroom and I checked my phone and there's still another hour and a half left in the movie. I was like, I gotta go. So then I just came back to my seats. I'm like, Matt, 
what the fuck is going on in this movie? And he just starts laughing. He's like, it's the Matrix, man. Nobody knows. <laughs> it's true. No one does know. But you know that to not know anything. Yeah. And then the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, is Keanu Reeves a good actor, number one? Like, is he a good actor? Like, I don't know. Has anyone ever doesn't... considered him to be a good actor? Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> he's never been in that conversation. Okay. Well, then, and then the other thing is, I was like, would, he, would Keanu Reeves, just like if I ran to him on the street, would he be able to explain to me What's going on in the Matrix? Like, do you think he knows what the movie's about? No. Like, could he explain all the? <laughs> like, who could? The writers don't even know what's going on. <laughs> He'd explain it in the same roundabout philosophical jargon way that most people sort of explain it. That it's a metaphor for this and that. And you know what I mean? He'd explain like, that. What was the metaphor for that? Well, the constructs we live in, man, in society. It's like, do you want to be? Do you, do we? Do any of us have free will, or are we unaware of sort of the constructs of what the way that we are living as a society yeah but after the first matrix you're fucked because it's like i said everything i need to say about yeah. that <laughs> now we're just making a bunch of weird movies and it, nothing makes sense anymore that's oh true God. that is it, true have you guys ever walked out of a movie yeah i walked out of a movie called Dreamcatcher. i think it was called it was a stephen <sighs> king remake i remember mm. it. morgan freeman's in that movie yeah but that might have been like frisky related <laughs> <laughs> you're on a date and you're like I yeah. want to go home and make out yeah um, That that's how old were you when you when you would have gone to that movie I have no idea probably <laughs> it always feels like I was in high school but I was like I probably still true but I was like 20 something <laughs> yeah uh, that's great Mike you never walked in a movie I don't think I, if I have I don't remember um, I've, I've stepped out to take calls and then considered not going back in you know, because maybe they're not the best calls, but then I'm like, eh, I paid for the movie. I'm going to go finish it. I've certainly fallen asleep in films. That's okay. happened. Mm. Yeah. And that, I always feel like um, a little silly. I love a nap in a movie theater. It's my really? favorite thing. In the middle of the summer, like if you go to like a matinee and it's super hot outside and you're just enjoying those big chairs and the air conditioning, I'll, I'll happily fall asleep for 20 minutes and I get furious if somebody tries to wake me up because they think I'm missing the movie. <laughs> Someone nugs me, Max, you're falling asleep, you're missing. I'm like, fuck off. This is my time. I paid for this nap. Well, that's an yeah. old man move. I'd be scared mm. that something was wrong with you. Some, if someone, if I'm sitting next to somebody and they pass out, I'm shaking them to make sure they're okay. Like if you're under the age of 40, it feels like such an old guy thing. I would yeah, never huh? do that with that, all the surround sound and explosions. <laughs> hey guys, before we get to the Nick Nurse interview, um, I want to talk about the Tom Brady retirement just briefly here. And we do love sports on this podcast, but I think when we talk about sports, it's in a very sort of like human interest kind of way. Like it's not, so if you're new to the show and you're, you've tuned in because you want to listen to the Nick Nurse interview, uh, we do, we know our sports and we could wax with, with any hoops head. But I think the, the interview that we have with Nick is a little bit more about how he manages his team and how he coaches his team and how he demonstrates his leadership. And I was thinking about Tom Brady, you know, uh, some would call the GOAT, one of the best, the best football player of all time, one of the best pro athletes of all time. And um, I read this really great article by Ethan Sherwood Strauss, who is a former reporter, a basketball writer for The Athletic, and now he has his own Substack. And he was talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of in comparison to Tom Brady. And there's an excerpt here that he actually pulled from a Colin Cowherd radio show. Mm -hmm. And... Cowherd uh, is very critical of Aaron Rodgers because for the premise, basically, that Aaron Rodgers just doesn't like other people and he always plays a victim 
Whereas Tom Brady really demonstrates leadership. And uh, I'm going to read you what Cowherd said. He starts playing safe. It always comes down to relationships. And this has been my theory on Aaron, who has fought with his own family. Guys like Brady are all about relationships. They make stuff work. Tom gets along with everybody. Relationships are about trusting and elevating others. Tom is optimistic and he'll make it work. Aaron is cynical by nature and not trusting. Good God, after Mercedes Lewis fumbled, Aaron changed and said, Ugh, I'm a victim again. Teammates aren't there for me. The next two drives were three and out, three and out. Played it safe, no yards. Uh, the Niners' uh, defense is good, but it ain't that good. You're at home. Be daring. Joe Burrow, who's another quarterback, is getting the you-know-what kicked out of him for three and a half hours and doesn't care. Downfield. Stafford's team is melting around him. He doesn't care. Downfield. All these quarterbacks, downfield. Stop playing it safe and protecting your legacy because they have relationships. Aaron doesn't have any, and the minute something goes sideways, and I've said this for years, he's a bailer, not a baller, the last guy who you'd want to be in a foxhole with. So I just thought that was a really interesting... I mean, you can criticize... Uh, Aaron Rodgers from a lot of other things related to COVID vaccine, uh, which is which are uh, which I'd agree with those criticisms. But uh, when it comes to leadership and what makes Tom Brady and Nick Nurse and a lot of the greats, uh, you know, successful is that they, you know, they elevate other people around them. Do you guys agree with this this fundamental premise? Yes. Yeah, sounds about right. Okay. well, I thought I thought Shane was going to go like, well, Michael Jordan was a dick and look at Michael Jordan. Oh. Yeah, maybe Michael Jordan was kind of a dick, Max. <laughs> I also thought that the bit was going to be that me and Shane would just give a one-word answer after Max did 15 minutes on Aaron Rodgers. It was kind of the plan. I think you can be an effective leader, though, and be kind of a contentious person. But you're, Jordan led more by example. Mm, he, like, outworked everybody. Yes. Also, hasn't Aaron Rodgers... He's won a Super Bowl, right? He's won one, but he's okay. more... Sure, but he's still like... He's still a winner in many ways, sort of deep playoff runs. He's won a Super Bowl. So it's like... It's an interesting criticism because we've talked about two types of leadership along. I mean, back in the day, there was always the conversation between like a Kobe type leadership where he would very much be like that with teammates. You know, he would like throw lesser players under the bus to the media. He would sort of show them up with rolling his eyes on the court, all that sort of thing. And then Steve Nash, they were both playing at parallel times. Steve Nash was an MVP, obviously. Steve Nash was much more like a bring everybody together. He would sort of like try to lift people through positive reinforcement, whereas Kobe almost or Jordan led through fear. And those are two like management styles. Uh, and, and both can be effective, like depending on, um, I guess, the personality types of the people that are like they're trying to motivate. I don't think, though, Jordan would ever give up on his team, like throw in the towel and be like, I'm fed up and I quit. I think he would just play harder. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, what's interesting to me is how do you, and I, we probably discussed this previously on the pod, but I know personally when I think of like leadership styles, like whether it's me in some sort of leadership role, the way that I would sort of, I've always leaned more like positive reinforcement, bring people together. Also probably comes from a place where like I do want to be liked on some level. Mm -hmm. But then also as, as somebody being led, I respond way better to positive reinforcement than I ever have to sort of intimidation. That kind of energy actually makes me way more likely to be like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to just do something else. Whereas mm -hmm. if you sort of bring me along, I want to run into a wall for you. Do you know what I mean? That's how I sort of like respond to that sort of leadership. Where do you guys fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I completely agree with you, Mike. And that is the type of leadership that I respond to. Well, I'm, I'm also just kind of fascinated by the people, by like, Sometimes you see this in like some young boys that just need to be screamed at and intimidated mm, for, for yeah. it to work. That's because like 
for me, I'm always like, you know, I'm gonna pull back the curtain, I'm gonna show you what I'm trying to do, so to kind of open your eyes to the bigger project at hand and how we all need to work together and what can I do to help and whatever. And it feels like that's like obviously a no-brainer. And um, but you kind of asked this question with uh, with Nick in the interview, uh, Shane. You said like, "What do you do about bad boys?" Have you ever had a bad boy? And you know, and sometimes I'm, I'm more fascinated by those people that just need to be yelled at a lot. Do you do you know? Do you have any like friends or Shane? Were you ever one of those people that just need to be yelled at a lot? <laughs> to, to get I'm very terrified of authority, so I can't be yelled at or I'll shut down. But I mm. like when somebody's difficult to impress. Or has standards because I always want to mm. go above and beyond, and I'm good at that. So if somebody rewards you too easily, you'll you don't respect them as much. Not at all. Yeah, it's it's tough for me. <laughs> I don't like people who say everything's good because I need them to have a critical eye and to say, oh, that sucked, but this is great. I need mm. that. I hate yes people in the leadership role. Mm. Should we segue into the the interview? Well, yeah. Do we want to talk about your leadership, Max, in setting up this interview? Because there was some things, some some hit and misses, maybe, in how this was set up. <laughs> Do tell. I, I was actually kind of curious to know what you thought of me as a leader. So, Shane, what what was a hit and what was a miss with this uh, Nick Nurse interview? One, I think you're a great leader, Max. And I do think <laughs> you have high standards. You're also very kind. But it's not what there is little foibles in the mix and sometimes <laughs> problems with how you present things. So the Nick Nurse interview, I was very curious on how it was going to play out. And you were playing it very casual from the onset. Like, yeah, it'll, mm. it'll be great. We're going to hang out. We're going to keep it loose. Let's not have it too much about basketball. We'll have a meeting beforehand to kind of suss it out and we'll discuss. I'm like, okay, this is at the photo shoot. I'm like, when's the meeting? You're like, tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be be great. (laughs) Meeting never happens. Okay, so I'm... (laughs) But I still have in the back of my mind, it'll be great. It'll be great. We're keeping it loose. Mm -hmm. And then Mike and I are talking via text or maybe even on the phone. And we were like, you want to just discuss on the car ride over? And Mike's like, yeah, great. Well, I'll pick you up. We'll drive to Toronto. We'll have a full hour to discuss the interview. Then... We're kind of discussing some questions. We're liking our questions, enjoying them. And we decide to call you, Max and Ash. Mm-hmm. And then you start saying, hey, guys, I got any question ideas? And I said, yeah, I have this Freaky Friday question. You know, I think we're going to keep it loose, kind of fun. And you're like, yeah. The thing about Nick is uh, sometimes he <laughs> likes a silly question, but sometimes he doesn't like a silly question. So we're going to have to play the vibe. It could go well and it could not. And uh, so just kind of take my lead and we'll see how it goes and kind of read the room. I'm like, okay, because all my questions are <laughs> fucking stupid as hell. So instantly I'm like, well, I'll just crumple up this paper and throw it out. And you're like, and, you know, we're going to play about seven or eight songs. It's like, what? Yeah, you know, we'll just we'll just stop mid-interview and I'll start singing a Prince song. Yeah. It's like, oh, like seven or eight. Yeah. How will you know? We'll just turn around and uh, we'll start singing them. Like, okay. And you're like, he's going to be sitting at a grand piano for this interview. And it's just getting weirder and weirder. And by the, t- the buildup for the interview had me so tense. And all I have is my stupid fucking Freaky Friday question to open. Which Nick may implode at. So it's like this whole like weird friend energy at a party and you don't know how to treat him. So then I just went for it and very nervously asked my Freaky Friday question. So if anyone's wondering why that question came out a little rigid, that's why. But I listen, um, I think the flow of the of the hang of the best hang 
was was the best. I thought oh, it was a he's great. He's your friend. Of- You're comfortable with him, though. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I want a third opinion here. Is that actually accurate? The way Shane depicted the events. Uh, <laughs> The, the short answer is yes. Yes, that is actually pretty accurate. I, in the car, as we were driving, when you were like starting to unroll the way this interview was going to happen, you know, the songs, it might only be this amount of length. Shane and I did look at each other as you were talking, <laughs> and we both just had like a mouth like a what the fuck. That, <laughs> but it was it was good. And from my, like Shane, I, I totally understand where he's coming from. I'm a little bit more go with the flow. So I wasn't as nervous. I was kind of like, it's going to be what it is. Uh, and it'll be fine. Um, well, you also know the lyrics to certain Prince songs that were being thrown out there. And I don't know one lyric to save my life. Because yeah, Max said we're all going to be singing along yeah. with Nick Nurse. It's like, okay, can, can I have a lyric yeah. sheet, please? Um, well, and, and if you're listening to this uh, and, and, and maybe you're a Nick Nurse fan, if you are, you know that Nick is sort of known, aside from being you know an NBA champion, uh, coach for being musical he brings you know his guitar on the road uh, he's sort of been playing piano on the road but through that and him playing uh, with Arkells at Bud stage a couple years ago Max and Nick have become like legit friends music is the glue that binds you yeah it's, it's very fun he will send me like voice notes of songs he's working on like on the road he sets up a, a keyboard in his hotel room every single night uh, and I'll ask him like basketball gossip. So basically, like I'll come across something on the NBA Reddit board, and then I'll be like, "Is this true?" And then he's like, "Fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> Stop bothering me." <laughs> it's cool to be on the inside, Max. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, so that's great. So then this was a really cool. Uh, and actually, Max, now that we sort of have you in this setup, what? The construct of this interview, which is very much like a cocktail party hang sort of setup where it's like you got you got a guitar. He's at a piano. Me and Shane are kind of asking questions and then you sort of go into some tunes. What made you think of this? Why, why did you dream it up in this sort of way? Well, Arkells were recording uh, at this great studio in Toronto, Noble, Noble Studios. And Nick came by like the week before because I was like, hey, you bored? You want to pop by the studio? He's like, I'm, I'm in. I, I just want to come hang out and, you know, see how you guys do it. And then I was like, oh, this is actually kind of a fun place to uh, to interview Nick. And I thought that was sort of the carrot for him because, he, you know, he does you know a lot of interviews for sports outlets. But I was like, what if we did it where he was like sitting at a keyboard and we actually got to record it and he could have that recording and it's like very professionally done. I was like, oh, that'd be kind of fun. And also, I just think that like um, sometimes when you're talking to people, especially musicians, if they have a guitar in their hand and they're sort of fiddling around with it or they're sitting at a keyboard your body kind of moves different. You talk in a different way. And I, and I would think oh, that might be kind of a fun way to make it not feel like another interview that he does. It's just like, oh, this is actually a completely different vibe. And I thought it, I thought it was successful. It was interesting that he sang every answer like a musical, I thought. <laughs> but it was still, it was a cool vibe. Yeah, and the way you, our listeners, I think, uh, are going to hear it is that we're going to sort of fade in and out uh, of the best moments. Uh, we, I think we get to a John Lennon song, a Prince song, uh, um the band uh we play an arkell song so we, we hit a bunch of our favorites all right so nick nurse on the best hang podcast uh it was it was a great time um and like we said this is our very first episode we're very excited and so thankful that nick was able to join us for our first episode but not every episode's gonna have a guest although next week's will as well so you're getting two guests off the top i don't know if we're teasing that yet or if people will nah, know but yet, it's also yet, very exciting yet. uh but this episode is nick nurse NBA champion, NBA Coach of the Year award winner, uh, and like I said, the leader of our beloved Toronto Raptors, uh, doing an amazing job, one of the best coaches in the NBA, and Max's friend, Nick Nurse. You guys want to get to it? Let's do it. Let's do it.
right, so Nick, uh, one of the themes of this show is that uh, I am very forgetful. People recommend things to me all the time, and then about nine months later, I'm like, you got to check this thing out. And then Mike or Shane would be like, Max, we told you this a long time ago. <laughs> so Mike was talking about um, Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. and he was saying how great it is. And I finally watched it, and I was like, oh, this really reminds me of Nick Nurse, because it's like this American fish out of water in England. And then I texted you, I was like, Nick, have you seen Ted Lasso? You gotta see it. And you're like, bro, I told you to watch that a year ago. Like, come on, this is my favorite show. You know this. I've t- we talked about it. I'm like, oh, I apologize. Um, so I was thinking about that show and you, and thinking about like the early days of being in. Uh, Bur- was Birmingham your first stop? Yeah. Um, and um, you know, there's a theme where Ted brings in a snack to the owner of the yeah. of the team. Yeah. What was the owner like in Birmingham? Did you bring that person any snacks? No. Um, first of all, the owner was an Australian guy named Harry Rubleski. He was... He was <laughs> that uh, sounds like a name. <laughs> yeah, he, but he was... Uh, it's interesting. His, his, his brother Mike and him started the, the or owned the Sydney Kings basketball team. And then... In Australia? They were having yeah tremendous success mm. both on and off the floor. Big crowds, huge sponsorship marketing. So Harry... Uh, they got they built a big new arena in downtown Birmingham, England. So Harry came over to run the Bullets. It was great. I, one of the lines he always used to use because we were always promoting the team. Like it was like two hours of practice, you know, a few times a week, and then the rest of the day we were in schools, marketing out, giving out flyers, doing all this. You know, like yeah. like you do, right? Yeah, like, and, uh, he always yeah. used to say, "It makes no sense." Winning in front of nobody, which is good, uh, right? It was, yeah. it was a, I've always remembered this saying. Um, the little snacks, the the little um, Ted Lasso, um, yeah, shortbread or yeah, whatever. shortbread. Yeah, yeah. My only uh, link to that, and it's pretty pretty good link, I guess, is when I lived in Birmingham. I lived outside a, a, in a suburb called Bromsgrove. I was living in a hotel okay. at the time, and every morning, you know, they come in and make my bed every day, and they put the shortbread on my Oh, <laughs> So I've only eaten about two million of those, so I, I know where he's going with those, for sure. Yeah. What other marketing things did you have to do? It's funny oh, to think man, about it. How you, you, you were 23 or something? It. Yeah, I was, yeah. Oh, well, the, at Birmingham, I was 20. Six, I think, 25, 26, yeah. Okay, so what do you have to do? Do Brits know anything about basketball at this point in the 90s? Because it's like, what, 95 or something? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a, it's a little bit kind of like a, a cultish sport over there. There's mm. some really passionate pockets of fans, and those same people are at the games and, and all those things. Did a lot of school work, mm. right, where we were in the schools and trying to teach the game. We'd go in and take over the PE classes, and, and then you'd <laughs> end up, you know, tr- you know they'd bring a big busload of kids to the school. So any night there was, you know, several, uh, maybe a dozen busloads of kids coming, coming to the in games. from schools. Yeah, coming to the games. That was wow. always good a good deal for the gym teachers not to have to do the work. They just <laughs> yeah. dump them off to you guys. Yeah, it was, it was, there was some um, tough facilities sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, netball was big over there. Sometimes you wouldn't have a basketball hoop at the gym, so you'd have to use a, a netball ring. Okay. Which I don't know if you know what that is or not, but it's, no, like, what a, is that? it's like a ring on a, on a pole with no backboard. No, no, no bank shots. Oh, right. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, you know, you mentioned Harry Rubaleski. Yeah. Uh, do you... Uh, <laughs> it was a great name. And you've, you've had such a journey where you've talked, you know, all the stops you've had. How are you about keeping in touch with people? Like, do you have him in your phone? Like, could you shoot him a text? Yeah, we, we communicate. Stay cool. in touch with almost all the way along the line, somebody at all the teams, believe it or not. Who's the most lot, eccentric that's owner? a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, uh, had the, when I coached in Belgium... Um, I coached in Ostend, Belgium, which is a town on the northern coast. It's like one of the uh, 
port towns back and forth from England and okay. all the boats and not far from Bruges, if mm. you know, I've heard of that. Um, um, Rudolf Van Moerkerke. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. V is what he went by, okay. as you as you These might. These all sound like yeah. fictional names. <laughs> yeah. This is the best. And he was um, he was a very wealthy um, uh, guy. He had a big travel business and all kinds of things. And and he loved basketball. And he used to sit. They they had kind of this really cool. It's called Mr. Mr. V Arena. Um, <laughs> probably about probably about four thousand maybe fans. Packed every night. Yeah. There was no, there was no other real sports in the town. The football team was like in the third or fourth division. It was like a pretty, pretty big deal. Um, we had most of all the the best Belgian players on our team. Um, then they had two rows of over, over right at on court side of these plush like theater seats, mm. right for the for the big sponsors and VIPs. <laughs> and he sat right at mid court. Um, His throne. In, yeah, in row one, and um, the. Neat thing I used to go show people is you go over by his seat and you could see these two worn out uh, spots where he was stomping. He'd be uh. stomping his feet during the game over the years, and it was like you know it was like totally worn out and totally you know in the end and, yeah. and all that stuff. And and um, that's it. That's it. Cool. I, I tell you that it always reminds me of this story too. Is uh, when I was coaching in Brighton, England. Um, I got to be friends with one of the members of parliament from Brighton and he kept telling me, I got to take you, you know, up to the house of Commons, house of Lords. Well, sometime, you know, when you're in London, I'll take, so I got, finally went up there mm. and we went into this thing and he took me over to, we're in the house of Lords, I think. And he took me over to this table and, um, you know, pretty small if you ever see those uh, yeah. places, but it's really small, compact, these chairs. And, and he goes, come here. And he takes me over to this table and he says, run your hand through the, by, over this table and you run your hand over and it dips down and then it goes back up and. And he said, this is where Churchill sat. And he would turn his ring upside uh, down and he'd be making his points and he'd be uh, hitting the table. Like Mr. Oh, v. I was like, wow, oh. yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I yeah. Was, I always thought of the kind of the Churchill relationship between, <laughs> between that. <laughs> anyway. What'd you got, Shane? I wanted to ask about the movie a Freaky Friday. Have you heard of this film? <laughs> I have, yes. Yeah. yes. So Jamie Lee Curtis yep. and Lindsay Lohan, they switched spots. Now, you're sitting in front of a piano right now. Yes. If you were to be in a Freaky Friday-esque situation with <laughs> Max, who do you think would handle it better? Oh. Him being a basketball coach and you switching to be a rock star. I think we probably both equally suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think Max okay basketball yeah. player, right, and everything. But you know, it's like uh, the the level of athleticism and conditioning. Let's talk about hey, conditioning. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I think it'd be about right on equal. But you, but you, uh, I think you're, you're getting your pretty good. Band, yeah, you're getting, you're getting good. I mean, the well, journey of you on the keys. The is... only thing I'm trying to prove is that you can start at 50 and still Honestly. be, still be, uh, get better and improve. And and I, my, you know, for me, I'm not. I'm, I'm still trying to learn. I'm asking you, like, you know, I, you know, I'm trying to think about like I got to learn the basics. I don't even know anything about music. No, right? it's like I gotta, I gotta like go. I mean, I'm seriously thinking about like enrolling in a music course somewhere to like start music theory because i know nothing and i want to be able to pass it on to people my kids especially well let's do a tune because this is part of the thing i want to do harry styles you can do it all right (laughs) is this a touch song you want to do which one's easy no uh sign of the times sounds that's okay that's great you gotta take it away you ready just stop your crying it's the sign of the times 
So how long does that take you to learn? Uh, well, let's be, I'll be truthful about it, right? Um, so I took lessons as a kid and I hated it. The only time I ever played was when I was at the lessons for about three years and my mother finally put me out of my misery, right? <laughs> so I um, did know how to do know how to read music a little bit. So if I do want to learn a song, I'll put something up there and it might take me anywhere from one month to four months <laughs> to, to learn a song. Um, actually, uh, Max kind of taught me how to play with chords, um, maybe right after we met or before the pandemic hit or whatever mm. of just, he kind of said, you're making this too hard. You know, you got to find the chords and play around with it in between. And that is like, you know, taking me from knowing about six songs to 60 songs probably, <laughs> or, or more. Right. I, and I can just pull some stuff up and kind of hammer through it. We could. We could try about anything now because my chords have uh, learned a lot off the sheet, basically just off of his his uh, advice on how to play. But I feel chords. like there's a similar kind of like, let's dumb it down, let's demysticize it, and just like, okay, it is literally the foundations of any pop song is three or four chords. So if you know how to play a C shape and a G shape and a D and an E minor, you can kind of play whatever you want. And it kind of makes me think of, um, we had a cool lunch in New York City a couple months ago. And uh, Nate was your assistant. Nate was there, and Nate was giving you props because he was saying like, you know, nobody develops rookies like you do, and like nobody gives credit to Nick for being the best in the league at like developing sort of like lesser known talent or like lower draft picks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, okay, what's the secret there? And you just like looked at me like. You know, I just tell him, you got to let it fly, man. Which is that mean? I'm taking notes, but I'm like, when you do it, you're like, you just got to let it fly, man. Which is the same as my yeah. advice to you with playing the piano. It's like, just let it fly, man. It's just a G chord. It's like, you know, you just got to dribble the ball. You just got to, yeah. you got to, you know, take, what, what's, uh, where did you sort of like develop that sort of attitude where it's like, you got to let players sort of be comfortable and be themselves. I mean, they obviously have to be like held to a standard, but like, yeah. where, where does that come from? I, I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess that um, one of the things I always, I always see a lot in play. Like, you know, I, I always say that we're, our job is to to see what they can become, or even maybe even more than they mm. think they can become, right? And kind of just say, you know, gosh, you can do this, and you can do this, and you can do this, and and a lot of times when they're not doing this, this, and this, we just say, work your way through it, man. Mm. Play, play through it. Keep playing. We're not going to be like, you know, pulling you out every two seconds. You know, the only thing we ever would like pull pull guys out of is just effort stuff. Mm. And then we, you know, when they learn that playing really hard still goes a really long way, both individually and for your team, then they improve themselves. And I don't know, we just try to give them some freedom and give them some confidence and believe in them and let them figure it out. Yeah, I remember you saying that like, you know, the press was giving you flack because Precious brought the ball or something, and he turned it over, <laughs> and then you and you turned it on its head, and you said, "It's it, you know because Precious had a timely turnover, and he why is the center dribbling the ball?" And you're like, "Well, you know what that says to me? I just got to let him uh, dribble the ball a little bit more to get more comfortable." <laughs> Which is the most Ted Lasso answer. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. The other day during the game at Washington, uh, I won't. I'll keep. I won't name any names here. But Precious brought the ball up the floor, and somebody along the bench said, "Why? Why? Why do we let him?" <laughs> the floor. Like, like what are we doing you know same same yeah. line of questioning right and it was funny he brought it up and he kind of wandered over to the right and then he threw it and he cut to the basket and got it back and laid it in 
and then I, you looked over the no, bench. and I said that was all predicated because he brought the ball up the floor. It had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I said that plan. all started because he brought the ball. Up the floor. <laughs> it's the energy. Well, yeah. you let Scotty dribble the ball a lot, and Scotty yeah. doesn't have the best handle yet. But I think getting these reps in, Scotty's got handle and vision. It does right? okay. Yeah, he's got. I mean, his handles. He's so big that he'll he'll tighten those up a little bit more. But he's all he when people get underneath him or try to pressure him, he's good enough with it right now but he's he's really loves to pass which is which is cool yeah he's got a great yeah his vision. vision is like sort of the best thing about him it seems and he considers yeah. himself a point guard it seems like yes, coming he in he does so then for you it's interesting because you're like okay here's this player that maybe we see him across all five positions but he thinks he's a point guard so do you have to sort of take that in consideration yeah i always i always figure like with him i mean listen i think it's a process of getting him to that position I certainly believe if he gets rebounds, he should bring it every single yeah. time for sure. Mm. Um, I also um, think that he'll grow into bringing that, being that ball handler a little more off the ball. And right now we kind of got him, you know, we got Pascal, him, Freddie bringing it up for the majority of the time. But um, he's got cool vision. Like, he sees stuff happening, like, three seconds early. There's, like, Magic Johnson. Yeah, then he looks away for two seconds of it, and then, bam, he's back to it. Like, like I kind of like that. I'm always interested in, like, just from a leadership standpoint and sort of trying to meld personalities, the idea of, like, you see this in high school at all levels, but, like, like veterans and rookies. So you have this sort of guy that comes in and sort of the fan base, like, oh, he's a star. Everyone's excited with Scotty. But then you have these vets there that have been there. They've won a championship. How does that work? It seems like they're good guys, but do you ever have to massage sort of like the coming together of them, the personalities and the way they interact with each other? Yeah, it's interesting, right? I think a uh, really good question because that's exactly kind of what it is. It's, um, you know, these guys come in and they are rightly or wrongly, they're, they're really confident, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, um, you know, they got some swag and whatever, but they, they, and the guys that have been here know that, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get punched in the gut here a few times. This is the, you know, this is a tough league and it's, it's like, uh, um, and you know, you get, you give the guys that have been through the wars with you because you know, they've been through the ups and downs, you know, come on, Pascal and mm-hmm. Fred, those guys, those guys played for the nine Oh five. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they, they played their way up through, through the, the minors to get to championship, like, big time producers mm-hmm. right so um and there's just you just it's just getting to know them and those guys getting to know you and you just kind of point blank telling them that you know if um i used to kind of say things like you know there's a there's a optional shooting window from 11 to 1 right and, mm-hmm. and up? um if pascal or fred or serge abak or somebody shows up at five to one and wants to stay there three hours then you do it mm-hmm. but if it's one of the rookies they got to be there at 11 yeah you know their window's <laughs> 11 to one yeah, yeah. Like, these other guys have, have yeah. you know dr- you know again put in the, the blood sweat and tears and delivered over the years mm-hmm. and you you might kind of expand their uh yeah i don't know the abilities that we're gonna take care of them a little bit you know yeah everyone on the raptors seems like they're very good guys but what would you do if you had a bad boy? <laughs> well, let me say this. This is one of my favorite sayings in the NBA is if you got 15 angels, you're going to end up with about 15 wins a year. Oh, <laughs> I like that. So, yeah. so you need a little bit of edge. Is what yeah, I mean, listen, you got the one, the one good thing I will say is this, is we've got some compete level, <laughs> like, like, you know, like 
Freddie Van Fleet, like nobody competes as hard. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's up there in the upper echelons mm-hmm. of the league of of his competitive desire. And you know, Kyle was like that. Mark Gasol was like that. You know, uh, you know those guys. Mm-hmm. And and Pascal has really gotten. He's really playing hard here these last couple months. He you know he's had some ups and downs as as all of us have. You know mm-hmm. through this through this stuff we're all going through. But he's competing really hard. OG's a competitor. Scotty is getting there. Deep down inside, he's a competitor. Mm. It's just, it's just, man. This, I mean, think about this for a second. He's twenty. Mm-hmm. He's already played his college season. Yeah. You know, like long ago, like yeah, you know, yeah. they play thirty-five games, and we're we're at forty-two or three. And we're mm-hmm. not. Even, we're just halfway home, right? That's a that's a workload of, you know, man. Here we go. Um, you relate to guys. I mean, in your staff, it feels like one of your best qualities is that you are able to relate to any kind of person. Are, have, but related to Shane's question, though, have there been players who you're like, I don't know how to reach this person. This person's acting out in a way, or this person isn't getting it. That you've had to like kind of think yeah. hard about, like, how do I approach this specific situation? I, I I've again, like, fortunately, um, my training, you know, mm-hmm. through up through the minors in Europe and stuff. Back to your question, mm-hmm. I've had a. I've had a lot of bad boys, <laughs> a lot of them, and and it's and it's strange. Like go to Matt, like I I do have a, I do have a interesting link with these guys. You know, I've had a lot of guys. You know, like play for five other teams. No, you know, just keep getting kicked off of this team and that team, and then come mm-hmm. and like you know, become first team all league or win the MVP mm-hmm. of the D league or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I um, I, I don't know. My my one of my things is man, if you're gonna compete when the ball goes up. And you're going to compete to win, then I'm not going to have a whole lot of problems with mm-hmm. you, and we'll kind of iron. We'll we'll keep ironing and smoothing out the edges away from that time when the ball goes up as mm-hmm. much as we have to. But I'm I'm all about getting ready to go for when the when the ball goes up. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. Mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Upfront payment of forty-five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. All right, let's do another Tim. We were. Singing. Oh, <laughs> I gotta get into this. Here we go. And it hurts. 
stop if I tried loving you. I never learned, oh, oh, oh. So I call you when I'm outside. You said the key's behind the porch light for unit two. And I thought of maybe quitting. There's no quitting you. <laughs> <laughs> you keep a list of all your concerts, or at least the big concerts that you've been to. Yeah, out of your request, you, yeah. got, you asked me one time. Tell me some of the concerts you've seen. Well, I, I, I thought it'd be a casual. Well, I started a list, and then I kept in about every. And I still, to this day, I still think, oh, I, that's not on the list. Like, like uh, I'll tell you what reminds me of it a lot. When you go to these arenas, right? When we play on the sure. road. Oh yeah. You're gonna go walk down mm -hmm. the hallways as you're going out, and you see all the. Yeah. yeah and I was stopping, and I was like telling the coaches because they're all lined up. You know, before we go out, we give you know fist bump. And I was yeah. like, yeah, saw Jill Scott in London on an outdoor <laughs> thing. And, and then I was like, hey, Barry White, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I was like, did I ever tell you guys this story? And they're like, no. I said, well, I was, I was coaching in Manchester, England, and I was my office was underneath, and I was going home for the day, and the security guard said, man, Barry White just canceled tonight. He's, it was Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Barry White, Barry White canceled. He's sick, and he threw some tickets on the thing, and I said, you're not going to use those because you can have them. And it's like, Earth, Wind, and Fire, front row, dead center, Earth, Wind, and Fire. So I, well, to be fair, so I, I, you know, some of it was might, a casual I, question that yeah. I asked. I was like, hey, what, any cool concert you went to in England or something? And then, like, 45 minutes later, I get this long list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, 85, I saw the outfield in, yeah. uh, <laughs> in, right. in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was your very first concert? Yeah, it was it was before that though. It was um I think it was eighty four, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so you mentioned your coaches. To yeah. um you told me that you hate the dress code for coaches now. Mm. Because now yeah. it's because you like the suit. Hot button issue amongst the coaches. Yeah, so we walk us through that. Well, I'm not I don't like it. I think that it's <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, I think it's really unprofessional. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, like, uh, I just think we're going out there, and we're, we're, it's, it's, as you know, it's entertainment, mm -hmm. it's the mm. stage, it's this, you know, it's like, um, I go out there in a, in a tracksuit and a three-quarter zip, yeah, you know, and some Lululemon pants, it's like, <laughs> no, but I don't, but, I don't but dig it. it. I like, no, I like it. It's like, you know, man, it's like I feel like I'm getting ready for the game when I'm back in the locker room, getting my stuff on, getting ready to go. Yeah. It's just like me putting on my uniform. Do you know what the vote safe. was, though, within the coaches' association? It was like 75-25, supposedly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you going to do any politicking with the other coaches to try to no, no, work campaigning? No, 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 no. Do you think I, no, I also... There's some, there's some things you just, you know, you just got to kind of accept them and move on. Mm. I, and the only thing I can do is complain about them on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. It's interesting because you go back and there's sort of like Pat Riley sort of established this Armani sort of like coach and yeah. suit and all that. Yeah. I always wonder, though, about the assistant coaches. Like, were they as excited to like get a suit, have a rotation of seven or eight suits? You know what? Like, my staff and either... Unless they're just, you know, uh, swinging with me, you know, they're all, they all don't like it. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't, they're lying. I don't, I don't know if, they, yeah, maybe. They, they might they, be guessing your ass a bit. Yeah, no, I don't know if they are or not, but they, you know, I think <laughs> that they said they don't like it. Just feels like a strange a little bit. How I many suits do you have in your rotation? A lot. Oh. And they're not rotating. <laughs> they're just <laughs> sitting in a closet. They're, yeah. they're stuck. Hey, how hangers. does it work with, um, 
sort of chain of command with your coaching staff? Because all the coaches on your coaching staff, or most of them, have been head coaches at some yep. level, and yep. it's on the professional level too. And and I know it's Nate's back, and he's been running some of the timeouts. I yep. saw. Him. Yep. And how does it? Is there like an unspoken? This is my number two guy. This is my number three guy, or like, or just responsibilities depending on the moment. I, I think that it's a little bit unspoken, but not for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I would say, just like you said, like across the front of the bench with um, with Adrian Griffin and um, Earl. Earl Watson mm-hmm. and Trevor Gleason and Nate. Those are four super high level guys. Like to me, those guys are all potential or former NBA head coaches, yeah. right? They're either going to be or they have been or whatever. Mm-hmm. Tr- Trevor hasn't, but Trevor's been a 20, you know, he was, he's kind of got the background I got. He mm-hmm. was coaching the CBA back in the old CBA, Sioux Falls. Yeah. Coached for 20 years as a pro coach, won about five titles in Australia. You know, he's, he's, he knows his stuff. Yeah. He knows his stuff. So they're all like, and I like that. I, I, when I'm hiring, for my top level guys, I'm usually trying to look for some guys with some head coaching experience. Mm. And for your low level guys that just like yep. to watch basketball, uh, <laughs> who are looking for a job, maybe what yep. are those qualifications like? <laughs> Someone's thinking outside the box. Maybe host might the be podcast. Hamilton. He might host the podcast. Yeah. He's got a lot of opinions. Yeah, so. yeah. got to have a strong uh, music interest. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> First and foremost, so you can jam on the road. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. No, that's, that's um, I, one question I did want to ask is it's so fascinating because like you said, there's a bit of show element to sort of going out. You're putting on a show with the NBA, you want to wear the suit and all that stuff. And there's a confidence that comes with coaching and sort of leading people. When it comes to music, how long did it take you to feel comfortable playing in front of people and singing in front of people? Uh, I don't know. It's probably, probably a little bit, right? I think that, um, the singing part was really like, you know, I think a lot of people probably struggle with that part of it. But you kind of have it though. Like, like well, some people like just don't have a good well, voice, but you have a, like a Dylan. Again, you kind of forced me into it, right? When you, <laughs> <laughs> when you start playing the chords, you gotta sing along, you gotta almost, sing. right? Yeah, so, yeah. and that's really now that, that that's really what I like to do. Like, I like to just sit there and grab fifteen minutes at home in the morning and just sing a couple songs and then go to work. Is you know, Roberta that's what into I really it? Like to do? Does she like to hear you sing? Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, no, she's into it. Every yeah. now and then she'll. Stop by and sing along. I you know, I'll play. I'll play a funky tune or something, and mm-hmm. she'll she'll know it and she'll sing along. Yeah. Your wife's name is Roberta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just uh, had a daughter uh, eight days ago named Roberta. No way. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Wow. So, Don't Roberta do that connection. one every day either. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. That's awesome. Good times. I'll, I'll tell Roberta that. Yeah. <laughs> Another Roberta cool. in the world. Cool, Another man. Roberta in the world. Yeah. Do you have any original Nick Nurse songs? Nope. Oh. Zero. Will you ever? Maybe. No further questions. Maybe. Well, I think I think that um, I think that um, uh, this. I think that I'm super intrigued by like. I mean, like a lot of people are, but like, I think it's incredible to like read the history of like Dylan and like all the stuff he wrote and how he did it. You know, it's mm-hmm. really super interesting, yeah. like where he was pulling stuff from, and and you know, some of my other. You know, Max knows this. I'm a huge. Uh, Prince fan yes. again started with my uh, I took a Greyhound bus to Minneapolis when I was 17 and went to the Purple Rain tour wow. in Minneapolis and like I've been hooked ever since and he's the same like I mean some of his lyrics are a little whack but he's got some incredible like thousands of songs mm-hmm. and the, some of the stuff is like Prolific. where does that come from and how do they you know so I think there's some interest there in constructing some things but I find that as uh well I don't think it's very probably very easy. Yeah. You gotta let it fly, man. You just gotta let it fly. <laughs> let's do sure purple rain. Let's let's do oh, purple rain. Ooh. On cue. 
Only one at one time See you laughing Only want to see you In the purple rain We'll wrap it up now That's pretty good yeah. see, I, see Nick, I wasn't even doing anything I wasn't even playing guitar You were holding down the whole thing yourself Keep going Woo! Um, okay, so we um, we went with you. This is pre-pandemic, just before the pandemic, um, to a Hot Docs Theater on Bloor Street. Oh yes, professional development day for your coaching staff. Uh, it was like 11 a.m. on a Wednesday morning or something, and you made everybody sit through a two-hour Thelonious Doc documentary from 1991. <laughs> and, Thelonious Monk, yeah, directed by Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a very cool experience for all of that us. That was awesome. I, I, I don't know how many other coaches are bringing their staff to uh, jazz docs <laughs> on a Wednesday morning. I'm sure some of them are like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, what the <laughs> it's a morning. Yeah, how did like, that go over with everyone? <laughs> um, you know, the whole monk thing's been kind of interesting, <laughs> right? <laughs> to, be, to be honest, like, um, it's kind of it's evolved like, um, it, it was good. I was probably really nervous about it at the beginning because, like, my first meeting with the team, I um, kind of introduced them to like, I wanted to introduce them to like me, my philosophies. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to tell them how this, this monk guy, you know, uh, you know, kind of changed the landscape of jazz with the bebop and improv. And that's, I said, that's how I see this. Like it's five of us. We're going to have some structure or whatever, but I always want to leave some room for you guys to do like do your, your own spectacular yeah. stuff. And, um, they they took to that okay. Um, I put some clips together. I put some monk music in the background. I was showing them. You showed me this. Yeah, this video. Yeah. It's just like highlights of the Raptors doing cool shit to this very abstract felonious monk song yeah. underneath. That's very yeah. cool. And then I had uh, one of our one of our uh, Patrick Matumbo, who's now the nine hundred five head coach, is an incredible artist, and he drew a um, he made a painting of monk for me mm. that sits in my office, mm. oh, but. I put that, I was kind of going through that and, and, uh, cause it was later on in the presentation, I had Patrick Matumbo come up and, and, uh, draw this cartoon elephant live, you know, for say, say, you know, say hi to the elephant in the room. Like we were going to take on problems. And then I went back and said, look at this painting. He did this too. And so mm. I was trying to connect the yeah. team and the coaches and all this stuff together. And then, you know, just, uh, everybody kind of gets used to it by then. And they, <laughs> they know, they, they, they walk by my office, they hear it playing. They, they, uh, they know. And then every year we've kind of, the next year I did it again, but this time I took, um, Monk plays this, uh, song in the documentary and I was showing him playing live cause he's like, yeah. awesome just to watch play uh-huh. and Physically. i was going to him going to raptors clips going to him raptors clips you know and and uh shout out to the uh open gym guys for doing an incredible job of editing <laughs> yeah. that for Big me by the way yeah oh uh, do you think on the spectrum of nba coaches you're one of the weirder ones like do you think the guys are going like this cat's a little I different. sure hope so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i sure hope so yeah <laughs> like, oh, this, this, he's always he's going to a lot of concerts he's taking piano lessons uh, but you're, like, you're, the only, you're the only coach that's photographed with, like, with your guitar on road trips. You know, like no one else has that. That sort I'm of I'm fortunate that that's okay. To be honest with you, yeah. I well, really am. I, yeah. I like it. Could you get away with it if you weren't winning? <laughs> Probably not. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, again, I, I like for me, it's like all positive. Like yeah. anybody that sees the negative and it's a really Debbie Downer. Yeah. Like oh, for absolutely. me, it's like it's like it's like total stress relief. It's total like mm-hmm. stay in my room, do something constructive. It, for me, like. 
again, like uh, Max said, I take lessons. I take some guitar lessons and here and there where they push me into playing stuff. And to me, that's what's trying to get those creative mm. side of your brain moving. And I'm, I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm hopeful that it keeps me creative in my job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you know, again, I, anybody would say, you can't do that. That's this, this isn't a, you know, we're going on a business trip and this is a, this isn't a rock concert and they, they'd be missing a lot of points, I think. Yeah. The nature of your schedule is so weird because it's like full on in some moments and then you have a lot of downtime to kill. And I always think yeah. about that, you know, and Mike's brother, Greg, who's with Open Gym and he, he's here and, you know, Ooh. we've had a chance to. <laughs> You know, I'm always interested in like, Greg, okay, you have an off day in Miami or Milwaukee. Or what, like, what are you doing all day? And it, I think it depends on the person and how creative they want to be yeah. in making the most of their time with those down hours. And you've clearly been like, no, I'm going to yeah. like work on a PhD or I'm going to like, what's yeah. my next big project? Have you always been like that? Have you always been like, in order for me to like stay, you know, mentally good with all this downtime, I need to figure out other ways to occupy myself besides for just thinking about basketball. Have you always been like that? Well, I'm just not very good at other stuff. Like I'm not, I, I don't like, I'm not very good at like coming in and flopping on the bed and watching television mm. or, uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm kind of a, I need to kind of be doing stuff. It's mm -hmm. either, it's either music or reading or going for a walk or something yeah. of trying to make my day pretty productive. Mm -hmm. This downtime is probably how some guys turn into bad boys. <laughs> it could be because yeah. they got nothing but time on their hands. Yeah. <laughs> could be, could be. Um, I know you got a busy day. We should do another tune before right. we go, and then we'll maybe wrap up with a couple extra questions. Yeah. yeah oh, do you it. got something right now? Oh, well, just a guilty pleasure question. Mm. You like Thelonious Monk, Bob Dylan, Prince, but who's your guilty pleasure? Mine's Third Eye Blind. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, one balls. Jeez, that's a really good question. Um, See, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I think if you like something, you just like it. It's all it. just pleasure? Yeah, it's all just pleasure. No guilt. Yeah. No shame. Just to answer your question, I don't know. I get really I get, uh, really excited yesterday. I was unpacking some of my um, vinyl, and I found a huge stack at Jimi Hendrix, about 15 albums of Jimi Hendrix. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot. Oh, yeah, he's so cool though. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's like the coolest no, answer ever. Like oh, an embarrassing right. thing. Oh, like Spice Girls. Or... Oh no, not Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really down on the Spice Girls. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you want me to tell you why? No, I know. I, 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 I live. I lived in England, like in the height of it. Yeah, in the height yeah. of it. You dated Jerry? Just tell no, me. No, 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 <laughs> baby. No, no, baby. no. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> my answer. You guys are gonna hate my answer. The Spice Girls. Remember, I told you Manchester Evening Arena. I was coaching the Manchester mm -hmm. Giants. That's mm -hmm. where I saw Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. But BB King was coming to the Manchester Evening News Arena, mm -hmm. and BB King they put him over in like the corner, and they set it up for like three thousand seats. Mm -hmm. And that same day, the Spice Girls sold three consecutive nights of twenty thousand tickets apiece in like thirty minutes. And I was like. It really hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really, puts BB in the corner. Really hurts me. Nobody puts BB in the corner. Nobody puts BB in the corner. Nobody puts BB in the Yeah, you're, you're England. In the book, you talk about, you know, um, oh, do you know this? He no. coached Dennis Rodman for like a week. This really? Is, the this ultimate bad boy. Favorite, yeah. Favorite, wow. uh, one of his favorite players. Of, of course, all time. top five for sure. Oh, right. Yep. Um, <laughs> when's, the last, when's the last time you saw Dennis? Vegas, uh, of two summers ago. How's yeah. he doing? Great. Yeah. Gave him a big hug. We took a little selfie together. Did you remember? Like, oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, we've actually had some contact uh, a few times mm -hmm. since since as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what a character. I was I was uh, 
at one point I was trying to, it's been a while now, but I was trying to see if he wanted to coach. And oh, really? Yeah. Fascinating. Do you think yeah. he'd be a good coach? I don't know, but mm. I was seeing, and he just, he wasn't, they weren't quite, him and his agent weren't quite ready to move in that direction. Mm. So That's cool. But no guilty pleasure. <laughs> I'm sure there. I'm sure there is. One. Well, you like it. You like a little bit of everything. I feel yeah. like. Well, I don't know if I would say that either. No. Right? I think that's, that's, that's the standard answer of oh, no, I listen to everything. Come on, you don't really. You know, you know, you listen to like your 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 people. Yeah, you're not driving home with like Slipknot blaring. You, you, what your record collection <laughs> from Iowa, man? No, easy now, wow. so maybe easy. We watched, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday easy. Mike, we were talking, and he was like, "Who's a, like a big artist from Iowa? Maybe you guys do a big artist from Iowa." And we, I was like, "I can't think of one artist." I from did Iowa. not know Slipknot. And then Slipknot's from Iowa. Who, who else? Who are the other big big guys? Uh, you ever seen the movie Field of Dreams? That yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> that was Iowa. That was Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Bridges of Madison County. Uh, <laughs> Eastwood. I don't. I don't have. Yeah, I don't know if I have any more artists from Iowa. Okay, well, this slip not. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, your record collection. Yeah, you, you who'd you buy it off of again? He's got this insane record collection. He's been trucking. Well, around. it's been yeah, it's a process of it. I still got a good start with uh, um, to be na- not to be named, but a uh, guy who was really deep in the jazz scene of Toronto. He mm. was a, a photographer slash journalist and very friendly with a number of big time artists. It's pretty yeah. cool and. They were moving them, and I said, "Well, move them, move them my way." <laughs> my way. Like, oh, he made some <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool because right? there's a lot of like personal notes on the albums oh, and signed, right. and yeah, so you know it's like like wow. it's pretty cool, mm-hmm. like amazing. Mm-hmm. Again, I was going like early this, edition printing. No, yeah, but but just like fast, some fascinating stuff. Like um, I was looking through yesterday as I was unpacking some of them. There's like uh, the poetry of Langston Hughes. Wow, Malcolm X speeches live on vinyl. Oh, like, I mean, just like some, you know, like just uh-huh. some really like interesting uh-huh. stuff. You, uh, I just got thinking because we mentioned the Thelonious Monk doc. Did you watch Get Back, the Beatles doc, the Peter Jackson I one? Did, yeah. Thoughts? Quick, quick awesome. review. Wasn't it amazing? It was totally amazing. Yeah. I want like the 18 hour cut they're talking about. Like I could do another, you know, double it. I think it's amazing that, I mean, like in this day and age, you'd think, okay, everybody films everything. Yeah, we've seen everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, everybody films everything oh, yeah. always. And back then, you know, to have all that footage to me is, I think, fascinating for that time of life. Okay, let's maybe uh, we'll wrap up with a song. What, uh, do you have any more questions before we uh, send yeah. them away? Living a cush lifestyle, you mm. know, you're out of Birmingham, you're in the NBA. What's the hardest thing? What will be the hardest thing to give up once you're retired? Um, well, I mean, I think that um, you're right. The The lifestyle is pretty interesting and cool, right? Mm-hmm. To go, you know, to, and, and you really get in a rhythm of going to all these major cities, staying in fabulous hotels, getting getting locked into trying to figure out how to win. A, you know, it's really a rhythm of... Mm-hmm. of and all of it's pretty cool. Hanging with rock stars. Sure, man. <laughs> Hanging with rock but stars. It feels sitting like that's suites, why all that stuff. A right? lot of players, like when they retire, they're like, I got to remain, I, I want to stay involved because it's just like the rhythm of it, as yeah. you say. And just being around, even, you know, I popped by the OVO Center the other day and just like, you know, the team wasn't there, but people were milling about. There's just a rhythm. People are working, yep. seeing people in the hallway. Like, yep. to give that, like, what are you going to do? And you, you, why would you ever want to give that up? It would seem. Because it's I don't know. Fun. I'm probably going to go coach. Um, Middle school basketball <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, maybe I'll do some 
teaching online or something. Mm. Professor. Online Are you doing more schooling? You got your PhD. Yeah, I do. I'm. I'm. Only thing I'm looking at now is some music. Trying Me to get a degree in music. That'd be cool. I don't know where to do it though. So anybody out there, let me know. <laughs> it has to be online. <laughs> All right, let's do let's do a John Lennon tune for Mike. Mike's favorite artist. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Okay. Do you know that um, uh, uh, Greg Bierman uh, on the camera? He has a tattoo in my life. There's no you, you, Greg. Could you show me. that? Oh, is it you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Greg, oh no, Greg, Greg has hungry heart. Oh yeah, Greg, Greg is Greg Greg Springsteen. Has, Springsteen. Yeah, hungry Mike, heart. could you show? Because we, we were in a band and we we toured and everyone in the band got their favorite lyric tattooed just on their chest, like mm -hmm. above their heart, like in like a little chicken mm -hmm. scratch. Well, mine's actually in John Lennon's handwriting from the the lyric sheet of In My Life. That's right. So, so I, I copied the cursive from that, and it hurt like hell because nipples are very sensitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I actually started the nipple trend. That is uh, true. Getting a tattoo above my nipple. Mine just says swindle. But it's a stupid thing. I saw it in a magazine. I was very young when I got it. It's a weird digression. But let's hear a Lennon song. Yeah, Hungry Heart for Greg, yeah. Springsteen. Yeah, yeah do you life. have any tats? Nope. No? Yeah. Well, you Were you busy either. later today? You want to all of us go get some? <laughs> Your favorite one above the nipple. Yeah. Cord. I'd have to think about what my favorite. You have a favorite all-time lyric? Yeah, what no. would yours be if you got the ch If you were in our band and you were on the road with us and we were Ooh, all getting the chest tattoo, question. what would your lyric be? Some Dylan lyric? Um, what would you Let say it fly? <laughs> that applies pretty good. Think I just want to fly, Sugar Ray. <laughs> Guilty I'll pleasure. go with the Prince one. Yeah. Nice. Love is too weak to define just what you mean to me. That's, that's a big tattoo. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that'll be a circle. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do. Let's do. Imagine. Imagine there's no countries. This is the best podcast we've done. So, yeah. Best yeah, thank you very much. Thank you guys. Thanks for hanging out with <laughs> us. A lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> One more time. Ready? I see my light come shining from the west down to the east. You sing like Dylan, like not on time. <laughs> any day now, any day now. I shall be released. All right. That's it. That's all. Uh, thank you so much to Nick Nurse, uh, Shaney, Max. We have lots of people to thank on this sort of launch of the best hang. Let's give people their propers who have helped us sort of get to this point of we, as we've done this sort of massive changeover. Let's yeah, a huge thank you uh, to our friend Felix uh, who helped design uh, the logo and also is helping with a bunch of the merchandise. A huge thank you uh, to Nathan Nash who did so much work uh, changing over the handles uh, on Instagram, all, you know, Twitter, uh, TikTok, all the social media stuff that needs to get done, he handled. Also, changing the feed. That's no small feat. You know, the fact that everybody who's subscribing to the show right now didn't have to hit subscribe again. It felt complicated. Oh. It felt like he would understand the Matrix film. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was actually in the Matrix fucking with stuff to make that happen. Yes. <laughs> and a huge thank you to uh, Mandrash, of course, who literally was overseeing everything. Basically, yes. every conversation goes through her. And we wouldn't be able to take on anything if it wasn't for Andrew Ash. What's Felix's last name? 
Nobody knows. It's Felix no. the German guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Felix Vlasic, but like oh, you know, yes. but like is it really? You know, some cultures like the last name is actually the first name. You know, I used to it, think it was Yan. Yan. Yeah, Felix. I think it's Jan Felix. This is maybe his first name before Felix, but he just goes by Felix. He doesn't seem to give a shit either because I think I've asked him before and he's like, whatever. That's okay. the way he responds. <laughs> also, we have uh, merchandise. Uh, we have uh, very uh, amazing swag that you can order online at thebesthangpodcast.com. All of our episodes there are there and some beautiful press photos and also some dope merch. That's going to blow people's minds because for years of Mike on Much, getting merch was just impossible. Like, there was no way to get it unless you happened to bump into us on the street or something. <laughs> it was like a black market <laughs> arrangement. COVID locked away all of our merchandise away seemingly forever. And now the fact that people can actually get it, because I've been messaged probably a hundred times since I posted a picture of my wife wearing the best hang hat. And I just told them, I don't know if you'll ever be able to buy this, but it's, it's good to know. I'm learning in real time that there is a merch store. Yeah, it's up right now. <laughs> Very cool. You you just double tapped everything, just those little hearts on every <laughs> yes. question. Yeah. I did a couple. That's not not even me joking. Uh, okay, thank you so much for listening. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. We'll see you next week with another special guest. Thank you to Nick Nurse for joining us, and thank you to you guys for a great hang or the best hang. I guess the fucking name of the show. Thank you guys <laughs> for the best hang. The, I'm changing the name now in real time. <laughs> that's pretty cool though, as an ending. Like, and thank you for the best hang. 